This episode is brought to you by ABC. Station 19 is back for its final and hottest season yet. Andy finally becomes captain, and she's going to give it her all to be the best leader this station has ever seen. Will she succeed? Get ready for fiery new romances and high adrenaline rescues. Watch the Station 19 season premiere tonight at a new time, 10, 9 central on ABC and stream on Hulu. Stew does America. StuDoesMerch.com, a place to go for all the best conservative merch. Use the code STU10 and save 10%. If you're listening or viewing on YouTube, please, uh, you know, drop a comment below. Like the page, like the, follow the show, do all the things. I don't know, whatever they tell you to do. You're on podcast, follow the podcast. It's great for everybody. Everybody wins. It's amazing. Um, we have another edition of Idiots Gluing Themselves. Two things coming up. We, uh, of course, have Carol Roth coming up, which is going to be uh, great. She's going to tell us about her brand new book. But we start by doing KJP versus the truth. Mm, Corinne Jean-Pierre. Really, when you think about the Biden administration, a lot of times incompetence comes to mind. And that's, of course, very natural and true. And you might think that Corinne Jean-Pierre is the worst employee uh, in the entire administration. Uh, she's just terrible at her job in every way. And I don't know who you'd bring in for competition on that. There's a lot of competition for that particular title. I think you might go to Sam Brinton, and you might say, well, that's Sam Brinton. I mean, that's the guy, the nuclear physicist that's a dude that dresses kind of like a chick and then was over there, like, you know, stealing luggage. But here's the thing. Uh, a couple things uh, in Corinne's favor on this. Sam Brinton, um, uh, the stuff that got Sam Brinton in trouble was stealing luggage. That was kind of, I mean, it was during work trips, but it wasn't necessarily part of Sam Brinton's job, right? Like, I have no idea if uh, Sam Brinton is a good nuclear physicist or not. I just know that, you know, he's out there stealing luggage all the time, right? So that's number one, uh, where Corinne Jean-Pierre is really terrible at the job she was hired to do. Sam Britton might also have been terrible at that job, but I don't know that for a fact. I do know Corinne Jean-Pierre is terrible at this job. Secondarily, I mean, at least Sam Britton got away with stealing luggage for a while. It, it was day one we knew Corinne Jean-Pierre was an idiot. So I would say uh, Corinne Jean-Pierre wins the battle. That's just my opinion. You know, we can have a battle. Maybe there's a long debate we can have about that on another show. Uh, Corinne has really, really been active lately with really dumb comments. Uh, and, you know, look, she's not good at this. When she answers, about 95% of the time, she's just reading her answers, which, you know, could be done by Siri. I, I really, we really could just put Siri on there, read text, and, and save whatever we're paying her. And, and we're paying her, you know, six-figure salary, I'd imagine, but also a 14-digit salary uh, when it comes to her wardrobe. So it's an expensive... It's an expensive mistake. Let's put it that way. Um, here is Corinne Jean-Pierre talking about uh, one of these tweets that Joe Biden put out where he was lying about wages increasing. Uh, here she is. First of all, look at how dismissive she is initially by anyone asking a good, serious question about uh, Joe Biden. It's incredible how dismissive she is. And then when she tries to actually talk, of course, it gets much, much worse. The president had a, a tweet out last night saying that real wages for the average American worker have are higher than they were before the, the pandemic. That tweet has now been annotated with um, a, a message from the platform saying that that is not factual and that they have some 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 stats and some uh, charts uh, footnoted along with that. Uh, do you welcome that um, kind of contestation from tech platforms? We disagree. 
Well, we disagree because of we're looking at the data from uh, from February of 2021, and what we've seen is that wages have have gotten stronger, have increased. We've seen that binomics uh, has been really helpful in getting to make sure that we build an economy that leaves no one behind. Everyone on Earth knows this isn't true. Right. Everyone knows this is false. Everyone there. Is there is there a Democrat fooled by that? Like, I, I don't even understand it. Bidenomics. It's such a, an embarrassing disaster. Of course, as has been covered by every single news source since the Biden administration began, real wages are down. They're down by a lot since the pandemic and since, what would she say, February 2021. Um, this is, let me give you a chart here. This is just one of a hundred of them uh, in this tweet. And you see uh, the uh, trend line as it goes up. We're about 4% below the trend. Um, we had a, of course, uh, the big uh, giveaway sort of increase among the, around the pandemic. But the, you see that the, we're not even close to the trend line, right? I mean, it's, it's, everyone knows this isn't true. Why isn't this true? Well, oh, by the way, I should tell you that tweet and that chart came from Jason Furman, an Obama economist. This is not a conservative argument. Literally everyone knows the situation. What they were trying to do is compare wages from before Biden got in without factoring in the inflation that Biden brought to the table. Which, I mean, everyone knows the main economic story is that everything costs more now. So that's why they have a term called real wages. It's supposed to reflect cost of living versus your wages. If your wages are going up, but inflation is going up much, much faster, well, then it doesn't do you any good. And everyone knows that's been the situation for literally years. And they're trying to get themselves out of it in this pathetic attempt. And she's so angry that she's even being questioned you see her reaction there. It really is pathetic. And I might remind you once again, and I bring this up every once in a while because it pisses me off so much. Corinne Jean-Pierre is not a member of the Biden campaign. She is not paid to defend Joe Biden at any cost. She is an employee of yours. Her job is to communicate what is going on in the White House to the average person who doesn't have time to follow every in and out. The whole point of this is having a representative who's available to inform the media of the truth, not to defend her president at all costs. Now, to be fair, the right does this too. Uh, your press secretary has become this mindless automaton defender. Most of them just do it a lot better than Corinne Jean-Pierre. But it's, it's completely wrong. It's not what the job is there for. It's not why they're getting paid. They all have twisted this job into basically a campaign spokesman job. And that is not what the job is. Let me show you some more uh, Corinne Jean-Pierre uh, patheticness. Uh, here she is uh, talking. Uh, now, this one's amazing because the cocaine thing has been going on for a couple weeks. They found cocaine in the White House. My belief is they initially thought it was potentially threatening powder. Someone had left it there to, to, to threaten them in some way. So they felt like they wanted to go to the press to get sympathy points. And then later realized, holy crap, this is actually cocaine. Someone in our White House is doing cocaine at the White House. And then they're like, let's brush this under the carpet and hopefully we'll get away with it. Well, occasionally a media member doesn't like that, uh, that whole routine. And they asked Corinne Jean-Pierre about it. First, following up on the cocaine, 
You said that it was very important to President Biden that the Secret Service get to the bottom of who brought it into the White House. So can you just talk about his reaction when he learned that the investigation did not end with a suspect? No, and I appreciate the question. Look, I'm just not going to um, opine on this, not going to get into specific on this. We believe the Secret Service did a thorough investigation. No, they uh, didn't. We've been briefed of the outcome. What was the outcome? Uh, they shared Nothing? the detail in a public statement, which Nothing. I think is important for the American people to hear directly from the Secret Service who they did said the investigation. Nothing. Look. And one of the things that they said in the public statement is hundreds of people come through this particular uh, area. Incredible. And, uh, and it's, so it's a heavily traveled working area. And so uh, that's what they were able to find doing this uh, thorough investigation. And so especially during that weekend, we think about Friday, that Saturday and that Sunday, and also that, uh, I believe that Monday, uh, that weekend, I should just say, um, that uh, it was heavily traveled. I mean, I... I guess they think we're idiots, and I understand. I can accept that, right? But, like, can they just do a better job trying to fool us into thinking that we have any intellect whatsoever? I mean, what, what human being could possibly accept that as an answer? Seriously. I mean, I, I, look, I get it. it. You're running the White House. Some, you know, your son is probably doing cocaine at the White House. You want to hide it. I get it. Like, I'm sure every parent would have that instinct. It's not a good instinct, obviously, but every parent would have the instinct of trying to protect their kid or whoever else, whatever other high-ranking official obviously did this. It didn't hang around on a table for five days. Okay? That, we all know that didn't happen. We all know it was somebody who was a high-ranking official who was in there that they're obviously protecting. Every single person who comes into the White House's name is known. They don't just let people in. They know each and every name. Let's say there were hundreds and hundreds of people who came through, which I think is obviously bullcrap. But let's just say it's true. They know all of their names. Has there been an hour long interrogation of every single one of them? Has there been? They didn't have time to do that if there was hundreds of people. Did they even bother to talk to the people they had on the list to ask them and maybe see if they look nervous? Did they do that? Obviously not. Did they check all the footage? Did they? Because they know everyone's there. They know when it appeared. They would know, even if they didn't have a camera on the exact place where the, where the cocaine was placed, they would know all the associated rooms, hallways, areas that are around there. They could see everyone who came and went in the period and narrow it down probably to 12 people within an hour of work. They obviously are hiding something. Obviously. It's so pathetically obvious to everyone. And the most obvious place here, and it's so obvious that she's lying. Why? Well, Joe Biden really wants to know. He wants to get to the bottom of this. He's very upset. He wants to make sure he knows. Does he? Then why are you stopping the investigation? I mean, why don't you even lie to us and just say it's ongoing? We're really looking hard. We just can't find anything more. Nothing? You're telling us it's over? You're going to stop looking? Why would you stop looking? You can't assign one person to this investigation? Nothing? I mean, even if you break their day up, spend an hour, one hour a day, trying to figure out who brought white powder into the White House, that's too much to ask? Well, apparently so. Let's go on with more Corinne Jean-Pierre. Now, of course, the president today uh, had nothing to do with yet another potential indictment of his main opponent in the race. We all are supposed to believe that one, too. 
uh, because that makes a hell of a lot of sense. So here's Corinne Jean-Pierre now talking about how independent the Department of Justice is. Here's what we have done. The president respects the Department of Justice, their independence. Uh, he has been very, um, very steadfast on making sure that the rule of law comes back in this administration, comes back uh, in the White House and clearly the administration more broadly. And that's what you have seen. Hey, guys, another outfit. Um, hey, you know, it's interesting. Uh, to see uh, this type of nonsense come out, because we all, again, know this isn't true. Okay. Do you see the, the pattern here? We're just supposed to be the dumbest people on earth. We're supposed to have had a full lobotomy. And I guess we're just not supposed to figure anything out anymore. We're just supposed to sit back here and accept this nonsense day after day after day. Just think about reality for a second. Forget the crap they're telling you. You're the president of the United States. Your number one competitor in the race is about to be indicted. All this stuff's going down, and you don't get word one about it. You're constantly learning about it in the news. Does anyone on earth believe this? Of course they're telling them what is coming. Of course they know uh, that they are very much encouraged to make sure that J Donald Trump gets every single ding against him. Maybe they can even get him into prison before the race actually uh, winds up because they don't want him to win. Obviously that's true. Now we all know Joe Biden is incredibly corrupt and will use his power for any reason necessary. This is who this guy is. This is who he's been his entire life. The only thing he can't seem to muster any energy to use his power for is actually helping out his own granddaughter. But other than that, he's on top of all of this. He can't do anything about the economy, can't do anything about Afghanistan, seems to be blundering every single thing, the border, the economy, uh, Ukraine, all this stuff is being blundered. But he has plenty of energy to make sure that Merrick Garland brings charges against Joe Biden. That we know. That is something, excuse me, against uh, Donald Trump. That we know. That's going on no matter what. And then we have, uh, I mean, again, are we supposed to believe this? I should have, that's what I should have named the show today because over and over again, I keep asking the same question. I'm going to ask it again after you watch this nonsense. This, this hurts our ability, right, to, to recruit and retain the strongest, the, strongest, uh, the strongest military force that we have, the Talking most diverse military force that we have. And so it is in the world. And so it is important that uh, we get this done in a bipartisan way. I mean, look, you might be trans yourself. You might be thinking, hey, it would be great if I could be in the military. OK, sure. First of all, does the military have to pay for your surgeries? Really? Really? If even if you're in the military and you're trans, you can't go for your own surgeries. Really? The military, the U.S. taxpayer has to cover your trans surgery. Really? And I'll be uh, honest with you, how many trans people are actually in the military? What's the percentage? High? Would you say it's, uh, is it above 80%? Is it like brown where there's 40% of people who are trans and LGBT? What's the percentage? Is it really high? Look, you can say it's fair or unfair to an individual trans person, if you want. Uh, I'm sure countries all, I'm sure, I mean, uh, look, the, uh, the military of Russia, I'm sure, is loaded with trans people. Same thing in Ukraine. I'm sure it's just a base, big battle of men who think they're women. That's basically the entire war over there. I'm sure of it. To argue that the, 
the military's ability is going to go away because we don't have enough trans people who had surgery recently to change sexes is gotta be the most insultingly stupid thing that we've heard today in an incredible cacophony of incredibly stupid things. Over and over and over again, you are asked to believe things that you absolutely know aren't true. And Corinne Jean-Pierre is just the worst person in the government at delivering those untruths. She just happens to be terrible at the job. And that's why you notice it really obviously. But this is coming from every single corner of your leadership right now. The people who have been elected to be in the government, who have been appointed to be in the government, over and over and over again are bringing you this nonsense. Uh, Kirby did the same thing today, or Austin it was uh, today, who said basically the same thing. Yeah, it's really important. We got abortion and trans. That's, those are the two things that make a military strong. Come on! We all know that isn't true. And yet they'll say these things anyway. I guess they just think you're an idiot. I guess they just think you're the dumbest person on the planet. That's the only explanation as to why they'd even try this crap. And yet they try it day after day after day. And I don't even think it works. It becomes this bizarre noise that passes by your ears and everyone kind of just shrugs their shoulders and looks the other way. But like, this is the government. This is supposed to be the foundation of your country in a way. Obviously, the people are the most important part, but we, we, we elect these representatives to go to Washington and handle these tasks on a daily basis for us to protect our freedoms. And instead, all they do is go there and collect power and lie to you every day, over and over and over and over again. And they've taken your tax dollars and hired an employee who not only is paid to lie to you, but is also really crappy at it. Over and over and over again, the same things happen. And every day, we're supposed to eat it. I just can't, I just can't take it anymore, honestly. Uh, let's go into what they're lying about in the economy. We're going to do that here in a second with Carol Roth. How about something that's going to make your life actually better? The temperature when you're sleeping is so key to your life. If you have the right temperature when you're sleeping, you wake up in the morning refreshed, you get a good night's sleep, you don't wake up at like 3 a.m. sweating, you need Miracle Made's bed sheets. Now, uh, they have silver-infused fabrics inspired by NASA. Miracle Made, of course, these sheets are thermoregulating and they're designed to keep you at the perfect temperature all night long. Now, you know, we're talking about like, I don't know, 99.7% of bacterial growth they will uh, prevent. Miracle sheets are luxurious, comfort luxuriously comfortable. They come without the high price. Uh, that's something that's kind of nice. These are used by five-star hotels. Miracle is so confident in their product, they're going to let you try it. And they're going to give you 30 days to figure this out. Give it a shot. Get a money-back guarantee, 100%, if you don't like them. So go to trymiracle.com slash stew. Try these sheets. I have these sheets. I love these sheets. I think you're going to love these sheets as well. If you order today, you can save over 40%. And if you use our promo code stew at checkout, you're going to get three free towels as well and save an extra 20%. Head to trymiracle.com slash do trymiracle.com slash do. Uh, give it a shot. I think you're really going to like these. And look, if after 30 days you want to send them back, that's fine. I doubt you're going to do that. It's trymiracle.com slash do for miracle made bed sheets. The standoff at the border is heating up between Texas Governor Greg Abbott and the federal government. Politicians will never let a crisis go to waste. 
We have been invaded. The crisis is being used by Republicans as a photo op by the Democrats to expand their voting base. More than 85% of everybody reaching the border is coming in. That's the definition of an open border. Just down the road, you can get in no problem, no Humvees, no farm guards. What people don't realize is there's a way around everything. The Blaze Originals team traveled to the Texas border, ground zero of the most controversial news story of 2024. With some experts estimating over 4 million border crossings in 2023 alone, we embedded with the Take Our Border Back convoy to investigate. What if the entire narrative you thought you knew was a lie? Go watch the real story of Texas versus the feds and how the elites use the border crisis against us by visiting realbordercrisis.com and use code TEXAS for $30 off an annual subscription to Blaze TV. Let's bring in Carol Roth. She has a new book out today. It's right here in my hands. It's called You Will Own Nothing. And she has uh, this is your war with a new financial world order and how to fight back. It's a great book. As Glenn pointed out this morning on the radio program, great uh, book to pair as you purchase with a dark future. Get a lot of the entire story really from both of the books. And I want to bring Carol in now. Carol, congratulations. It's book release day. Thank you so much. And I'm so pleased that you actually own something in owning a hard copy of You Will Own Nothing. You're already fighting back, Stu. Actually, I'm leasing this from Barnes & Noble. Uh, 14 <laughs> payments. Um, but, you know, it's, hey. a, it's a subscription service. You have to pay for it every month. <laughs> every month. And it never, ever, ever ends. Um, Carol, the, the book is, is great. And we talked about it, I know, on radio today. But I wanted to get into it a little bit more. And I thank you so much for uh, coming on. Uh, let me start with the the, story, the, the the question that I always love to ask an author on their book release date, which is, why did you write this book? I wrote the book because I thought it was really important information. I think that, you know, perhaps it's different from Glenn because he's got a, you know, a huge audience. But for most of us authors, it's actually a negative return on investment uh, type of proposition. <laughs> the amount of hours that you spend not only writing and editing the book, but marketing it, I could be doing other things. But it's such an important message. And I remember reaching out to Glenn probably April or May or last year. And I'm saying, you know, there are all these things going on with social credit and ES and CBDCs and Wall Street competing with you for a home and you know, kids being bogged down with these predatory government loans and not being able to accumulate wealth. And like we talked about big tech renting your life back to you as a subscription or service. Like, I think there's something there. Do you think there's something there, Glenn? And he's like, yes, keep pushing, keep pushing. And as I walked through it, the, the through line of you will own nothing hit me. And as somebody who for more than 25 years has been helping people generate wealth and, and participate in the American dream, that was just so staggering to me that you would have this, uh, you know, this prediction out there from business elite and political elite that you would own nothing and you would be happy. And I thought it was a, just a really terrible kind of movement away from the American dream. So I felt compelled to write not only about it, but most importantly, a plan on, on how to fight back, because I think that that's really where a lot of the commentary is absolutely like, OK, yeah, we, we hear about all these things, but what do I do personally? Yeah, you know, it's been it's such a it's it's happened pretty quickly that the country has changed here. If you go back to I remember early on, you know, when we were doing the show, uh, George W. Bush was president and he was constantly talking about an ownership society. And, and part of the reason he talked about that was that you take pride in something that you own. If you own your yeah. own home, you're going to keep it nicer. That was the theory, at least. Um, and it, it was something that. He would talk about, but like 
even the left didn't really push back on. They might say it wasn't fair or they wouldn't be able to get as much as you evil conservatives. But generally speaking, it was like agreed upon that this was the way that Americans were supposed to live, uh, some ideal American dream or at least a chunk of that dream. And we've gone from that to you will own nothing. That's not a phrase you're making up. I'd love for you to kind of walk people through in case they don't know where that phrase comes from and, and explain how we got from there to here. So, yeah, when I first heard you'll own nothing and you'll be happy attributed to the World Economic Forum, as I said, it's a, a non-governmental organization laced with the business elite and the political elite. I, I, too, thought it was kind of a conspiracy theory. Like it was like, well, maybe someone on Twitter took that out of context. Like there's no way they're predicting the end of private property, because, as you said, it's the American dream. It's that that anchor of wealth. You have to own assets that retain their value and appreciate in value. So, you know, how could this be. And what I tell you in this particular case, it took very little research to verify that one. There were a lot of things that took a lot more research, but it's on their Twitter feed right now. There's a video that has eight predictions for the world for 2030. And that number one prediction is you'll own nothing and you'll be happy. By the way, nobody gets to the other seven horrifying ones, including number two, which is the U.S. will no longer be the leading superpower, which kind of feeds into all of this as well. But this is an idea that has been sort of repurposed and repackaged by the World Economic Forum in recent years um, from other articles, like can you rent everything in your life, and sort of this first-person narrative about, oh, I'm this person in the future and I don't own anything and, and I'm happy. And there are a couple of things that really stand out. You know, One is that you'll own nothing, not will own nothing. <laughs> so they're, whoever's making the prediction is clearly not including themselves. <laughs> and uh, you know, you'll be happy you get this buy-in. And you know, how we shifted and changed, I really think, is based on sort of the derelict management of the government and the sort of uh, expansion of powers of the Fed. You know, if you talk, you know, kind of when we're thinking about George W. Bush, you know, it's before all of the Fed's intervention in the market, the 15 years that we've had here of, you know, crazy monetary policy where they've suppressed interest rates. They had almost nine years of zero interest rate policy. They printed $9 trillion uh, out of nowhere and put that on the balance sheet. And so there has been this sort of shift in a couple things. One, you know, wealth transfers from Main Street to Wall Street and widening the inequality gap on a non-merit-based basis. So not because somebody outcompeted somebody else, but because government and government adjacent uh, entities have basically tipped the scales in their favor. So, you know, that has certainly happened. And it's also enabled the government to rack up just an insane amount of debt and and huge deficits each year, we've gotten to the point where that is unsustainable. You know, we have 125% or so public debt to GDP. The IMF and, and other entities say that, you know, the, the sustainability level tops out somewhere in like the 70 to 80% range. And we know the Treasury Department and the CBO have said that our fiscal trajectory is unsustainable. So I think with all of those things going on and the, the clear sort of signposts that things are shifting, that has made the, the world that we live in um, very different to inhabit and frankly made the people on top kind of panic. And instead of saying, hey, let's have everybody participate in this and you know, we'll grow the pie, um, there's been a panic 
like, of, oh boy, things are shifting. Well, we've got to lock down and make sure that we've got this nailed down for us. And if everybody else's ownership and freedoms, you have to get thrown out in the process, so be it. <laughs> it's not exactly a positive vision of, of our future, <laughs> uh, Carol. And it's, it's, it's honestly terrifying. You know, every once in a while, I'll bring yeah. on uh, Brian Riedel, who's a budget expert for, yeah. for the Manhattan Institute. He's great. He's great. And he'll tell these stories about the budget and you're just, it's almost terrifying. Like it's terrifying because you realize there is no way out of this when it comes to our debt and how much we're spending. And the projections that we have don't even include whatever the new shiny thing is they're going to introduce in a year or two year, whether it's the Green New Deal or some new bailout or some new stimulus check. All these things we know are coming that are going to make all of these things worse. And we're going to get to a point very soon where the whole budget is just debt. We're All we're doing is servicing debt with the money that's coming in, and everything else that we need and use is going to be borrowed from other governments and, and all of these other entities that we're going to owe our lives to. It is a terrible future for this country if we do not wake up quickly. Yeah, no, I mean, certainly there are all these promises that have been made as well that aren't included in the budget. You know, the unfunded liabilities that are on the uh, the realm of about one hundred and twenty nine plus trillion dollars, according to my research. So that is that is creating really the panic within the government is how do we get the money so that we're not just servicing the debt? Because if we can't offer promises to people, then they're not going to vote for us. Then we're not going to have power. Then we're not going to have our wealth. So there are only so many levers they can pull. They can try to get more money from us, which means that they either raise taxes, and obviously, you know, at some point that has a drag on the economy and, and there's only so much they can do, or they can try to go after our wealth. And that's one of the really scary things um, that we didn't even get to on the radio this morning. There's almost $85 trillion in wealth that's set to turn over in the next 23 years voluntarily via inheritances, you know, older people passing on and and or passing that you know down to their kids and if you think about the the paranoia of the government it starts to make sense why you're hearing people like Janet Yellen say we need a tax on unrealized capital gains and you know wealth taxes and inheritance taxes. It's not because they're trying to go after the billionaires for their quote unquote fair share because the billionaires are the ones who give them the the lobbying money and who you are in the inner circles and are going to dinner with them. They want you to concede that there's no such thing as property rights and that the government certainly has the ability to go after wealth by using that carrot of it's just going to be for the ultra wealthy so that they can come after the wealth that we have created. And, you know, while this all sounds, you know, very, very scary, and it, it is, and it's very serious, I think you have to understand where all of these threats are coming from in order for us to fight back, whether it is collectively through policy or just making shifts in our individual lives that, you know, kind of prepare us that if there is this period of chaos, because we don't really believe that uh, Congress is going to get it together and make the changes necessary in order to bring us back from the brink and preserve the American dream, at least you've thought through that and that you've created your personal plan for that. Mm. Uh, you talk about this in really in terms of world war, like it's that serious. We've got a, that type of threat going on. And, uh, you know, you talk about I know you go into more detail in the book, but can you kind of give us an outline of what on earth are we supposed to do, Carol? <laughs> like, What is the average person <laughs> supposed to do when you're set up against all of this stuff you've been describing? I mean, it does, I will say, seem completely overwhelming. 
Yeah, there's one takeaway uh, just in general from the elite who are who think that they're better than us and, and want to sort of control the future is do what they do instead of what they say. Like, what are the things that they're investing in? What are their behaviors? You notice the people who, you know, say you will own nothing aren't giving up their homes. I mean, even, you know, Mr. Socialism, Bernie Sanders has three houses, right? Mm -hmm. So they, we know that we want to preserve those kinds of opportunities. We have the rich people, they're also buying up productive land, things like farmland or land that can be used for um, you know, growing timber or ranching or that has water rights associated with it. So if it's not something that you can do personally, you know, maybe there's a group of like-minded people that you can get together and you can support an independent farmer or something, something of that sort. Um, things like hard assets and uh, and precious metals. I know you're, you're a crypto guy, so for people who, who like that thesis, that may be one way to fight back. As you know, I'm more of a precious metals person. Central banks around the world have been loading up to a, a record degree on things like gold and precious metals. So again, if the if the elite are doing these things, it seems like a, you know it might be a good good thing for you to do. But I would you know just overall you know, think about diversifying. You know, stop spending on things that don't have the ability to retain value, and spend more time investing in things that do retain value. And frankly, this is great advice at, during any point in time, but just through this lens, I think it has a different sort of meaning and sense of urgency. So there's just a, a couple of the tidbits, but I've got a whole chapter on this. And, and what do you, how do you feel about building a spaceship to escape? Uh, is that something <laughs> on, your, on your list? Um, I'm not really that good at building spaceships, okay. but perhaps we can get uh, Elon to build one and then we can get somebody to replicate that. All right, we'll, we'll work on that. It, <laughs> until then, buy something that will not decrease in value right here. Here it is. You will own nothing from Carol Roth, your war uh, with a new financial world order and how to fight back. Uh, Carol, congratulations. I know this is a big project. I, I, you know, I've worked on books with Glenn and it, and it takes forever. You do so much work to put that final piece together. So congratulations on the release and uh, we'd love to have you back on again. Thanks so much. And thanks for all of your support. I really appreciate you. And now it's time for another edition of Idiots Gluing Themselves to Things. Yes, it's kind of our little catch-all for dumb climate protesters that usually glue themselves to things or do other dumb crap to try to make their point that no one listens to. Uh, and we're going to start with some video from Germany. This, this is a bunch of idiots in Germany gluing themselves to, I think, a tarmac uh, with uh, predictable results. Oh, what a bunch of morons. Uh, so that's a guy. He's got his hand uh, glued to the pavement there and is reacting with bad words in German. And what's funny about that is like, what did you think was going to happen when you glued your hand to a runway? You can see the other person is, they're actually digging his hand out of the pavement. That's how they're dealing with it because they don't want to rip his hand off. As I've said over and over again, the correct answer here is to just leave. I shut the airport down for a week just to see what happens, see how they're doing, see how that goes. And then remind everyone that's what you're going to do next time if you've glued yourselves to a thing. 
Uh, maybe you leave for a month. Maybe just, you know what, maybe you close the airport permanently just to let them sit there and wallow. Now, of course, all the flights continue. They just land in other places because <laughs> you wouldn't want to give them any benefit of shutting down uh, your emissions because that's what they want. Uh, however, it's just idiocy over and over and over and over again. Now, this isn't exactly glue, but here's some more protesters. Um, let's see that video. Here they are. They are stuck in cement. Mm -hmm. And they can't move because, you know, they were stuck in cement and now their hands are stuck in cement. And they're walking around like Siamese twins. <laughs> Both of their hands stuck in cement. And they may, by the way, need to amputate their hands. Did this work? Did you change anything about your climate activities today because these idiots glued themselves to things or put their hands in cement? It, this never works. Now, it is a way to thin the herd. And maybe we should all celebrate it for that reason. But I will say, if you're an idiot and you're thinking about gluing yourselves to a thing, you may want to stop that. Now, of course, another thing that climate protesters do is they sit down in front of large vehicles. We have an incident here where uh, this is, uh, I don't know where this one is. I think it's also in Germany, I think. Um, here they are in front of a truck and the truck pulls up, beeps the horn. Two idiots are sitting in front of the uh, truck right now blocking the path. The driver gets out and starts sliding them to the side, uh, does so, pushes them to the sidewalk, now walks back in front of the car, kind of pushes them on the side and says, get the hell out of the way, basically. Now, this guy's got nothing to do with the climate. He's not the problem with the climate, but he's trying to just move his car. And you see, excuse me, his giant truck, and he pulls up and then he just basically starts running the guy over. <laughs> Now, I don't know. I, I guess in that moment, I would not have the personal bravery to keep driving either. You know, you want to help the people. He tries to help them uh, out of the way again. They sit down in front of the truck again. At some point, I think I just put a blindfold on and say, I'm going to drive straight. And if you're in the way, I'm going to hear a crunchy noise. That's what's going to happen. Um, but he eventually does sneak through and was able to drive off. And the climate, not saved. Still in climate catastrophe, boys and girls, and so, so sad. Now, of course, the, the, uh, in Spain, there's a, a big situation, and this is all around the world, honestly, where private jets are the main um, enemy. Now, let me tell you something about a private jet. They're freaking awesome, okay? I want one. If you got one to give to me, and you don't mind paying the maintenance fees and the fuel fees, please do, okay? Donate it. Donate me some hours on, like, net jets or whatever else is out there. I'm all in on a private jet. Private jets are freaking awesome. The whole thing... When you can get to be super duper rich and you can afford a private jet, that's where it changes, right? Like being rich, having a nice house, having a nice car, that's all great. But the private jet thing is a totally different line. Like that is like you walk to the, you pull onto the tarmac in your car, you get out, you walk up the stairs, you take off when you're ready. Not when they're ready, when you're ready. You don't have to wait, go through the security lines. You don't have to wait and wait and wait and wait and wait. No, you get on, they wait for you. That's life right there. You go wherever you want. Uh, you know, all I need is a billion or two. And uh, that's going to be fantastic. When that's, I'll, tell you, I'll let you know uh, when that's happened, although it won't be on the show because I will not be here. Um, anyway, uh, here is uh, protesters uh, painting private planes because, look, as we all know, planes can't fly with, when they're painted uh, or something. So I, that's what we're supposed to believe, I guess. Uh, they are painting the private jets so they look, I mean, honestly, it's just a white jet, so it actually looks a little bit better with the paint on it, uh, frankly. It kind of looks exciting. Um, this is a, 
uh, and then he, of course, obviously, as, as, as you would think in this particular segment, he then glues himself to the plane. He is once again an idiot gluing himself to a thing. Uh, again, the, the, the climate not safe. All tons of private jets from that airport still took off. This one will as well eventually. Uh, a little delay in uh, the fun maybe for the weekend, but that's about it. And over and over again, they try to do this, and they try to prove these points in this way. Um, let me give you a quick clip of John Kerry to bring this one home. Here's John Kerry being questioned about, hey, you're Mr. Climate Guy. There's people gluing themselves to planes in other countries and painting them to try to stop these things from taking off, but you keep flying inside of them. What, what's the deal here? Mr. Secretary, uh, in, in exchange with Mr. Mills, you uh, just testified under oath that you never owned a private jet. Uh, Mr. Chairman, I'd like to enter into the record an uh, article here from February 15th of 2023 that the John Kerry family private jet was sold shortly after accusations of climate hypocrisy. Uh, Mr. Secretary, do you stand by that testimony Not that objective. you've never I, owned or I, I personally, your family? I by your family. personally, yes. My wife owned a plane and sold the and plane. You flew on That's that plane? Uh, not in a number of years, and but I have flown on it, and sure. This article is not then inaccurate that your family owned a plane. You flew on a plane. My wife owned here's the Here's the <laughs> issue. That's what I yeah. That's just so bad. And the face is like, is it melting? Is it tightening? Is it just, is it, I, what is going on with the face? He looks stranger and stranger on a daily basis. But just so you know, he's the climate star, so it wasn't his plane, it was his wife's plane. And as you know, the house that you're in, it's not your house, it's your wife's house. And the car that you drive, it's not your car, it's your wife's car. Whenever that seems convenient, be sure to use that pathetic, pathetic excuse. Take a minute to think about the supply chain. I, you may have been thinking about it over the past few years when your car wasn't delivered that you ordered or uh, basic needs that you wanted didn't show up. And that's something that Americans were not used to. Well, this could happen again. And one of the ways it could really affect us is with our uh, medication supply. That supply chain of antibiotics, what if it just disappeared? We've seen this with things like baby formula and like basic uh, drugs and things that everybody uses on a daily basis. Now they're now so hard to find, why is that? Well, if that goes away with antibiotics, which it very well could, uh, what do you do? The Jace case is a great way to deal with this. Uh, they've uh, come up with this at, over at Jace Medical. Basically, it's a, a pack of five different courses of antibiotics. So, you know, like let's say you're traveling, you're overseas, you want to deal with a healthcare system over there, you got something basic, a respiratory infection, sinusitis, a skin infection, something like that. You could just take these. You don't have to worry about going through that whole process. Or if the supply chain does break down, you and your family will be prepared. And these are, you know, people don't think about medication. Sometimes they think of water or food. Medications don't pop to the mind uh, automatically. Go to jacemedical.com. They got a bunch of solutions for this problem. Enter the code STU at checkout. J-A-S-E medical.com. The code is STU at jacemedical.com. The code is STU. Mr. Prostone, is used worldwide oh, and already Bush. accounts for over 50% of abortions in this country. Oh, that's good. What is Medication abortion? Medication abortion is a lifeline. Oh, a li is it's it? It's a lifeline for the person working multiple jobs who can't afford to take a day off work because wages are too low or they don't have paid sick leave. Okay, so it's, it's a, lifeline. a lifeline for the mom okay. of mm -hmm. two for the who can't afford 
child care or, or who can't find that affordable child care. Oh, okay. It's a lifeline for the person who lives hundreds of miles away. Oh, is it? From the nearest clinic. What about the person who lives inside the person? Is it a lifeline for them? It's a lifeline mm. for the trans folks for who the face transphobia folks? and bigotry because of anti-LGBT plus laws what and outrageous bans okay, on stop, gender I, affirming I, I, care. I, I, I love how I was at Raskin looking at her like, uh, trans, I think you've lost the plot here a little bit. What does bigotry have to do with it? Like, uh, you can't get an abortion to, I mean, it, wouldn't a trans person be able to raise their kid in a way that was friendly to the trans lifestyle? Why would this cause bigotry for them to have a kid? I don't even understand where we're going with this. I feel like the left just has like five things that they say, you know, racist, transphobe, uh, homophobe, climate. Does like, I'm surprised she didn't say it's a lifeline for the climate just i just because she's just so used to saying these things in order like they just put them in a blender and turn it on and the same five things spit out every single time eh, just another embarrassing day for cory bush well is that a biden 24 shirt you're wearing no no it's an anyone but Biden 24 shirt. Then we got the mugs, we've got the shirts. They're available now at stewdoesmerch.com. The code is stu10 there. You can save 10%. We've got lots of great stuff up there. We've got the uh, repeal, the 16th Amendment uh, mugs as well that people are uh, liking quite a bit. And I will tell you another thing that people liked quite a bit was our coverage on Friday of the big event in Iowa. It was different. It was different. It's something that actually informed voters rather than just talk down to them. If you like that sort of coverage, we've got a, a big election coming up. You don't want to have the mainstream media bring any of this stuff. You want to have someone you can actually trust. That's what we try to do here, at least, at Blaze TV. Go to blazetv.com slash stew. Uh, if you use the code SUMMIT, I think you can still save 30 bucks. Uh, so check that out. The code is SUMMIT at blazetv.com slash stew. blazetv.com slash stew. We'll see you tomorrow.